Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome Jennifer Wyatt to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. So Jennifer, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your time working in school libraries. So I started out as a teacher, like most people do. Um, About 10 years ago, I was in a school district where the librarian was going to retire. And it was a really small 1A school district. Mm -hmm. And I had always been interested in the library. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with reading, which is a long story. But um, I was teaching English. And the kids did not like to go to the library because it just wasn't a welcoming place. The books were old. And I just knew I could do a better job. And so I went to the superintendent and said, if I start my master's, and get an alternative certification to do this. Will you give me the job when the librarian retires? And she said, absolutely. And so that really kind of started it for me. Um, I was a full-time teacher only working in the library one class period a day um, because it was such a small school. (laughs) And uh, it was, and I had an aide in the library that ran the library for me. Okay. And I would schedule as many projects as I could for my kids to research so that I could be in the library doing library stuff. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But then I transferred to a full-time library position and never went back. You know, from there, I went to a service center, uh, was a library director. I've I've stepped over into the technology realm um, and I've loved all of it. And and I've had an experience, I've had almost all grade level experience now. So Mm -hmm. I was in a primary campus. I've been in an intermediate campus. I've been at a high school. I've been at a district librarian, so over a mall. So there's not a grade level that I haven't experienced. All right. Now, some people are kind of surprised when they they learn about the flex, I don't know if flexibility is the best word, but the opportunities that open up to you just having a library background. And so you said a little bit, you know, you've been a librarian, you've been working at the district level, uh, did you say a service center level? I was. Okay. So, it's at, and so for people who aren't from Texas, that would be like a, like a big region, your regional library position. Right. Um, and I, I even know that you even did some sales once upon a time. So like, how did that fit in? What were you doing with sales? So I've always been one of those people who wants a larger sphere of influence, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're in a classroom, you have your 100 to 30, 150 kids that you saw, because I taught high school. And um, so you got close to this group of kids. And mm-hmm. so to go into the library gave me an opportunity to serve a really large population, the whole campus. Yeah. Um, and that's what drew me to the service center because then I could serve kids all over the, dis- the districts that we supported. And I always knew I wanted to travel and kind of spread the word about something. And mm-hmm. um, I ran into um, Sabin McAlpine at a conference and she showed me large print books, which Thorndike Press sells. And I just fell in love with this concept and thought back to all the years where I had struggling readers mm-hmm. who, who I could have benefited if I'd known this, this what existed. So um, I really came on as the large print evangelist for them. And I traveled <laughs> across the western half of the U.S. and talked about it as much as possible because it was a way to serve kids 
larger than just one school district or one area in Texas. So that's really what drew me to that. And I would probably still be doing it if it wasn't for that darn pandemic. So, pandemic. Wow. Changed yeah. so much for so many people. Okay. So you left that position and now um, tell us a little bit about what you're doing at a district level. So right now I am a coordinator district level. Um, we serve about 13,000 students. Okay. Um, and I am I've got a foot in library, so library coordinator and a foot in instructional technology. So those are my two areas of, of coordination. Um, but in my mind, you know, a good librarian has a foot in each of those worlds anyway. So it just seems like a perfect fit. And, you know, during my career, I have leaned one direction, you know, done more technology or done more library, and it just made sense to do them both. So, yeah, yeah I agree with that. And I, I kind of find myself that same way, you know, for a long period of time when I was, you know, early elementary, I, I really focused on the reading part, you know, and then at right. a certain point, I really just felt my shift, my mind and passion shifting a little bit, but right. find a way to fit it all in. So, you do. okay. So my, my listening audience, there's a lot of early career librarians and, and, you know, of course, not a course, but some of them will feel isolated uh, or they're thinking, am I doing this right? You know, what's going on? Um, so what's something that you remember about your earliest years? What were they like? So when you go to graduate school to get your master's in library science, one of the most difficult classes for me was cataloging, right? <laughs> because it's so specific. Like that's the worst grade that I got. So I don't know, my first year or two, I thought that the cataloging police were going to come look over my shoulder <laughs> and make sure everything was right. Um, so I just, I felt like I couldn't be flexible and I guess the biggest aha came for me when I realized, you know, those are guidelines, that's great, but you got to serve your students and you've got to serve your patrons. And if, if graphic novels being in five or six different places, because you're following Dewey doesn't make sense for kids to find it, then you put them together. And so I think that was the biggest aha that there are guidelines, there are rules to how you do those things, but really if it's not serving your students and your learning environment, you change it because okay. they're, they're your end user. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So is there any other kind of advice you wish your younger self had known about? Make connections, Yeah, you know, cause I was a one person librarian um, and I didn't know any other ones. Mm -hmm. um, when I got to the service center level, that was one of the most enjoyable things about it because we had tons of little districts where mm -hmm. there was one librarian in a district and bringing them together and connecting them with other people was so powerful because they're experiencing the same things, but they don't have support and being right. able to find somebody to connect with. Right. I think, you know, even if it's just on Twitter or it's on Facebook, but connect to other people in your field because they, they have the same growing pain and they can they can offer you support yeah definitely yeah even even where I am there's some districts that are small where there's only one librarian you know in, in the whole district that kind of thing right I used to even encourage them create your own little subgroup of librarians you know you're not you're our yeah. districts but why not get together you know and do some trainings together and have a speaker together you know do something physically you know if, if you right. actually are in proximity to each other but yeah so you're right, build those connections. Okay, well, we're, we're getting ready to head into summertime and hopefully the end of this pandemic time. Oh. <laughs> Do you see yourself working on anything this summer or are you really just kind of taking a mental break? What are you, what's going on with you? 
So we are launching Schoology in my district. You know, like so many districts, um, we pivoted to what we knew, which was Microsoft Teams, because we just, we had to have something in place. And so um, there have been several committees, they've looked at different products, Schoology was, was chosen. And so I am kind of leading the charge for the implementation. Um, And one of the things I don't think people expected when I came on board was that I championed my librarians to be in that first cohort to help train. Uh, I don't think that that was, was done in the past, you know, they, and I think librarians are in such pivotal roles uh, with instructional partnering with in collaboration. And I just think they should be leading the charge in all of those things. So, um, that's what my big project is. So I guess I'll have a couple weeks off maybe to like sleep, but then back I to school. I hope you do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't know about all the other states, but I know like in, in our own state of Texas, professional development is actually part of our, you know, of our standards, our guidelines right. from the state. So, and I would, right. I would bet that a lot of other states have something worded similar to that, but all right. Yeah. Good luck with that rollout. I know it's going to take a lot of time, and but um, hopefully it'll it'll all fall into place smoothly. We're definitely all a lot more tech savvy than we were this time a year ago. You know? That's for sure. That's for sure. All right. So you've seen libraries from a lot of different um, perspectives. Um, when you think about how our role has kind of changed, what what do you think about? Like, where have you personally seen the biggest? change professionally? I think it, 20 years ago in Texas, anybody could get their library certification by taking the test. And so when that was changed to requiring a master of library science, you really saw where the field was shifting. Um, I think that librarians are so much more teaching and collaboration focused and less collection managers than they were in the past. I mean, because I think about when I was in high school, there were multiple ladies running our library because that was pre uh, library management systems, right? They were having to hand type every card catalog, um, you know, like five or six, eight, 10 cards for every book that they ordered. And it was really labor intensive. And so it was all about collection management and, you know, having technology has freed us up to really collaborate and, you know, incorporate just all kinds of different things that I, I don't think we would have done in the past. And I think that we, as a profession, were poised to jump into the technology aspect of the pandemic better than a lot of teachers were because, you know, we've been getting the training, we've seen it coming. Um, there's a book that I love, The Indispensable Librarian by Doug Johnson. And he talks about how librarians need to be crow's nesters. Um, and I think that that's what we do a lot is we look ahead and we look at trends and we were just poised and ready to help out our teachers. Okay, very good. All right, so when you're thinking about um, maybe the campuses that you help oversee, um, is there any particular kind of influence that you have seen librarians do? So I'm gonna give you a specific example. Okay. Okay. So I started the school year in a library. Um, an intermediate campus, third to fifth grade. And so I have just recently transitioned into my role. And at some point, you know, I thought, why not? I'm going to do book talks on YouTube. Nobody will watch them, but I'm going to do them anyway. And my little third to fifth graders were super excited that I had a YouTube channel because, you know, (laughs) 
You and were, they think that's yeah. cool. I was cool, <laughs> right? Um, and so I built a, a large print book collection and I specifically started book talking those books. Okay. And when children were stopping me in the cafeteria to say, Miss Wyatt, I watched your book trailer and you talked about this book and I want to check it out. Like that was super exciting to me because it didn't take any time, you know, screencast-o-matic, talk to my camera, show the book, throw it on YouTube. And I had a line of kids for that book. And I mean, it's just super simple, but so impactful. And I, you know, I didn't think the kids would ever even watch that, that video, but I had a line of kids sign up and put that book on hold. So, you know, I, I think it's simple things that we do without realizing how impressed they are with us. Yeah. And I'm trying to think like from a, from a younger kid's perspective, they don't know how easy it is to get a YouTube channel, you know, and then, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like you are a star, you know, because everybody they know on there are the, are the superstars. So awesome. right. they think I'm famous or something because I <laughs> talked about a book on YouTube. <laughs> and just in case there's some tips with that, like, do you, is there any kind of setting you use? Like, was your link available to the world or, or only those who had, you know, there's all kinds of different settings, like the public, the private and the unlisted. Like, do you remember what kind of settings you used? So I've always been a sharer. So okay. Everything I do is public at that point. Now I use unlisted because I'm, you know, doing some stuff within a school district, but that was just kind of, I, I tossed it out there. I took all of my book talks and put them in a playlist okay. and shared only that playlist with on my Google classroom for the library. And so yeah. that's how they interacted with it. I didn't send them to YouTube. Yeah. Um, you know, I connected them specifically with that video. So okay. that makes sense. That's good. And also for anybody new that's listening, if you have a Gmail, you have a YouTube account. <laughs> Yep. That kind of surprises people. They don't realize, you know, that, that it's like a, a package deal, you know? Yeah. It all comes together. Um, so in your case, did your district have Gmail or is this something that you set up on your own? Or? So I have always just done it on my own. Okay. Um, I was just curious. I've, I have tried like different positions that I've been in. I've tried to set up accounts through my school, but then I lose control of that content if you go to a different school. So I've always just kind of kept it in my personal account. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There's different strategies with how people decide, you know, what's going to work best for them. All right. So Jennifer, you talked a little about how um, librarians during this pandemic time, the ones who were, who were trained in the more recent years were a lot more prepared, you know, because they had gone through a time with, when technology was part of their curriculum and, you know, versus some of our librarians who were certified years ago, um, who, who may have just in what we call challenged the test, you know, where they, they didn't necessarily yeah. have extra school or extra trainings, you know, of any kind. So I know that you're, you think it's really important for librarians to really step up and lead um, and to be different now than what they used to be like. So let's talk a little bit about um, the role of the librarian and, how you kind of see that? So about five years ago, um, Dr. Audrey Church was president of the American Association of School Libraries. And during uh, that time, they did a bunch of research about advocacy. And some of the ahas um, that resonated with me were that principals who really control a schedule of the library and mm -hmm. the expectation of a librarian, that they learn what to expect from a library based on when they were students and when they were teachers. Oh, yeah. So if you think about how long ago that was, um, 
they just kind of, ex a lot of people expect librarians just to check books in and check books out and they don't realize what the job can be. Right. Um, and I know in, a, in the early years as a librarian, I wanted to tell people, well, I can do this for you and I can do that for you. Mm -hmm. And telling people is great, but it's not as impactful as just digging in, doing the work, figuring out ways to support people in new ways and showing mm -hmm. people um, what you can do. That I think is a, a better tool for advocacy than it is just to tell somebody. So, you know, I'm a firm believer, especially with the pandemic, well, this has given us an opportunity to jump out and provide resources and collaborate in a totally different way because a lot of schools weren't prepared for what remote learning looked like. And librarians had, you know, their access to ebooks and they had databases and they had experience with online learning because they had done it to get their degrees. And mm -hmm. so I feel like they were just poised to really blaze new trails. And I saw that happen in a lot of places. And I hope that doesn't stop, um, you know, when we go back to face-to-face -to -face school. I do too. So are there some key things that, that you have seen um, librarians do as they're blazing new trails? Like what kind of things do you want to hold on to as we move back towards whatever our new normal is going to be? Yeah, whatever that is. So I, you know, I've seen some, because of the pandemic, I've seen some schools adopt some really different schedules, especially when it comes to say elementary, instead of, you know, the teachers coming and dropping kids off at the door for their 30, 45 minute lesson. I've seen actual librarians with carts pushing into classrooms. Yes. And that gives you such an opportunity to be in the space with the kids, see mm -hmm. them interact with the teacher, be mm -hmm. able to connect to stuff they're already doing in their classroom instead of just them coming to the library isolated from the rest of their learning day. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I just because we're going back to the way it used to be face-to-face -face doesn't mean you have to throw out those kind of schedules that are actually helping build relationships. And right. that's, that's what I hope doesn't go away. Yeah. And like, we'll hear people saying, well, how do I get out of this fixed schedule? You know, I'm tired of being in this rotation. Um, and right. you're right. That kind of thing. This, this is a time when, when they can really showcase the difference they can make, you know, by tying in, you know, to what's going on in the classroom. Uh, you know, right. we try to struggle like, I can't get anybody to collaborate with me. Well, hopefully this time, you know, has created these perfect opportunities, you know, for collaboration to just grow and. Um, right. And they've needed those, those curated resources more than ever. So I hope that librarians did that work, even if they weren't asked to, just to show, look, this is what I can do. And I can continue to do that even right. when we are back face to face. Right. Um, I, I actually think that this is going to be a key time for district leaders, uh, library leaders from different districts to get together and really talk together and highlight what what were those key things you know that worked right and you know even like you were just saying that that mobile cart that's a that's really a good idea um well and see one of the things that i discovered is my district still hosts destiny inside of our servers so they weren't available to kids from home oh. so you know, just little things like that to realize how powerful it is to put more stuff in the cloud so that students outside of our computer yeah. network can access things. I mean, that's the first step for curbside uh, checkouts, you know, just making decisions where we can make 
more stuff equitably available mm -hmm. to our students, I think is going to be important for us to keep yeah. after the pandemic. All right. So for all the listeners right now, you know, school is, is this is mid-May, school is winding down uh, the next few weeks or months, depending on where you are. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but this would be a key time to kind of even bring teachers in or parents in and, and really work on kind of identifying what were those key things that, that you were doing that really made a difference to them uh, so that you can figure out some kind of way to, to be able to continue that support um, with the coming school year. So. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of sending out Google Forms to my yeah. teachers, right? So why not get their feedback? What worked with library the way it was this year? What didn't work? How would you like to see? Because at the end of the day, library is really just a customer service exactly. industry. And if, if what we do doesn't help the teachers, then we need to look at tweaking that. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. All right. So you've got a lot of good ideas for people. Um, you, you are very sharp. You keep learning and growing. Uh, give, give our audience a little bit of a little a couple ideas on what you do to keep learning and growing so that they might be able to try some of those things themselves. So one of the things I think is great about the pandemic is that so much stuff is now available online. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I have been to too many online conferences this year. I'm ready to go face to face. Like, <laughs> let me do that in, in a conference hall because this is, you know, overwhelmed. But I think it's also great too, because we have opportunities that we wouldn't have otherwise. Um, so Twitter is a big place to look for those opportunities. Mm -hmm. Join Facebook communities of librarians because they mm -hmm. advertise them there. Um, and, and I take advantage of not just library ones, but go into ones that are for English teachers, for science mm -hmm. teachers. The mm -hmm. ones that we wouldn't typically go to are available online. So why not learn more about the curriculum of you know the teachers that you're helping to support? I just think that this has opened up um, a really broad spectrum of, of things that we can, we can access. And I've always been a fan of, I, I don't know, I always wanted to connect outside of my building. Yeah. And I didn't realize how, um, I guess, how schools didn't want to do that, how they, they adults didn't want to look at a camera and they didn't want to be on camera. And, um, and I think we, we, we're hesitant. Our kids were hesitant about that. But when I went into the corporate world um, for that, you know, time, we did that all the time. And that was pre-pandemic. So mm -hmm. I think we have to prepare our kids for those kind of realities. Uh, job interviews via Zoom was a thing even before the pandemic, even more so now. I mean, we have to prepare our kids for those experiences. Mm -hmm. So very good point. All right. Well, Jennifer, you've, um, thank you so much for sharing all of your ideas today. Where can our audience find you on social media so that they can keep learning from you? Well, you know what? I have this YouTube channel, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, my YouTube channel is, I guess it's youtube.com slash Jennifer Schaefer Wyatt. Um, I'm on Twitter, but funny thing about Twitter is during the pandemic, I got blocked and they took my Twitter account away. So I have a new one. It just, I don't remember what it is and it's not very like fleshed out. Okay. Uh, I'm a loser, Dr. Laura. I don't know. I have a, a blog um, at uh, teachinnovatelearn.com passion project that I really have, you know, it's been hit and miss in the last few years. And so what kind of things do you talk about on your blog? 
So I've just kind of chronicled um, a long time. I fell in love with Google like a decade ago. And so it, I just decided that I was going to share my love with Google to the world. And I got Google certified and I became a trainer and I became an innovator. And, you know, so all kinds of little projects associated with that, I would blog about and stick it up there. Um, Just, you know, I haven't been on there in a while. You're making me think I need to go blog some more. (laughs) I think it's going to be real interesting for people who who did blog like through this last year, um, just to see the stories, you know, and it was even funny looking at some of our TV shows, you know, when they would, when they finally started back, you know, and they were doing red at that point, we were six months, you know, into the pandemic and they were starting though, as if they were at the beginning of pandemic, I'm thinking of some medical shows and I was like, oh yeah, we used to think that, you know, we used to think that about, you know, the pandemic, but um, I mean, about COVID-19, but anyway. Well, it is so interesting to watch which shows adopted the fact that they're in a pandemic and started wearing masks and others that completely ignore that fact. (laughs) Interesting. All right. Well, Jennifer, thanks so much for your time today. It's been fun talking to you and I look forward to to looking at your blog and and your YouTube channel to, to learn a little bit more. So thanks for sharing and have a great day. Well, thanks for having me. This was fun.